on our sixth of the seventh I am statements. Um, and I love, I love the studying of the I am statements. Uh, a lot of times we could, we could look at the I am statements and say, well, these, these are very simple. Uh, they tell us about Jesus. Uh, but, but we kind of have to be careful, right? Uh, because what we're looking into is we're looking into the person of Jesus Christ. God revealed to us in the flesh. Uh, and so we have to take this, this study very, very seriously. Uh, years ago, there was a, a pretty famous uh, preacher who, who published a, a series and uh, kind of a, a book, and the title of it was, I Am Not, But I Know I Am. I Am Not, But I Know I Am. And I think that gets kind of, kind of to the heart of what we're trying to get at here. The, the world tells you that you are supposed to seek self, figure out who you are, and in figuring that out, you'll find some kind of happiness or peace or joy or contentment. Um, and I think the I am statements tell us something very different. They're, they're telling us that rather than seeking yourself, seek to die to yourself and live for Christ, live to the I am who has revealed himself to us. And so there's, there's power, there's so much power in, in understanding this, this revelation that God has given to us to understand the nature of who God is and how we relate to that God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Knowing the I Am is even more important because Jesus declares to us Unless you believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. And so there are many people around the world who, who believe in, in Jesus in name, but they don't believe in the same Jesus that we believe in. And so it's not just saying, I believe in Jesus. It's believing in who Jesus has revealed Himself to be to us. Unless you believe that ego and me, Unless you believe that I am, you will die in your sins. And, and so this is a very serious study and one that we have to take uh, deep meditation and deep thought and deep commitment to understand this. Uh, and, and it's something even the disciples were wrestling with to understand. They didn't fully understand the I am that was being revealed to them. And, and they were wrestling through this. And so I, I pray this morning that we would also wrestle with this deep idea of God revealed to us in the flesh, in the person of Jesus Christ. So this morning we're going to read through John chapter 1 through 12. I'm going to go ahead and read that now. Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If not, I would have told you. I am going away to prepare a place for you. If I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, so that where I am, you may be also. You know the way to where I am going. Lord, Thomas said, we don't know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus told them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will also know my Father, and from now on you know him and have seen him. Lord, Philip said, show us the Father, and that's enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been among you all this time, 
and you do not know me, Philip? The one who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak of my own. The Father who lives in me does his works. Believe in me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. Truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and he will do even greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. Let's pray. Father, we come into your presence this morning, and we desire to understand that which you are revealing to us in your word. So open our eyes and ears, Lord, that we may see and hear. Open our minds that we may understand and and open our hearts, Lord, that we may receive all that you have for us this morning. We pray and we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. So, recently went to to South Africa and I was talking to a, a gentleman who lives in South Africa and he was employed by an American company, and so he had the privilege of, of coming to the United States quite frequently, um, and he had visited much, much of the country, and he was telling us a story that uh, one time he came over to America, and he was staying on the hotel, and on the other side of the road was the restaurant they were going to go to, and so logically, he went from point A to point B, thinking that was the fastest way to get there. When he got to the other side of the road, an officer was there to greet him, and he said, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to write you a ticket. And he said, what for? He's like, you, you just illegally crossed the road. You jaywalked. And he said, what do you mean? I, I, I'm staying there and I'm, I'm going to go to this restaurant. What other way would I go? And he said, well, you see right down here, there's a crosswalk and you have to, you have to cross there. And he's like, well, okay, but, but can you answer me one thing? What is jaywalking? They don't have jaywalking in South Africa. They just cross wherever they please, and and it it seems logical to him that if you're going to go from point A to point B, you just just cross. Now, luckily, the the officer had some some grace on him and said, okay, you don't understand our laws here, um, so so we'll let you by with a warning this time. And so he's kind of like, you know, okay, well, thanks. Uh, but for us, that we, we run into similar problems when we start talking about uh, the things of religion and, and, and Jesus being the way. The world wants to tell us that you, you can't be exclusive. There has to be other ways. And, and many times, even when we think about it, we think of, of two paths, right? One in which evil people go to hell and good people go to heaven. And when we begin to think about goodness, we say, well, if you're a a good Jew, do you go to heaven? If you're a good Buddhist or a good Mormon or a good Muslim, certainly God wouldn't eliminate them because, because they're good, right? Certainly everybody who is evil will, will, will go to hell. But, but how do we define those terms? And who defines those terms? Is, is very important for us. 
And in fact, I've, I've talked to many people from other religions, and I'm, I keep hearing this same story over and over, um, that, that religions are like paths that lead up a mountain, right? They're, they're different paths, but they all lead to the same place. And that sounds good in theory, because we, we serve a, a loving, gracious God. But how do we know? Are all, do all paths lead? Does, does the path of, of Hitler, for example, does it lead to, to God? We would say, well, no, 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 not, not that path. That wouldn't be a path to God. Um, how about the, the, the ancient peoples who would sacrifice babies in volcanoes? Would, would that be a way to God? Well, no, 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 not that one. Um, and you can go on down the list and you could eliminate quite a few that you could say, certainly that's not a way. But then how would we distinguish which is the true way and which is not? Well, luckily we serve a God who doesn't make us figure it out. He came down from the mountain and said, I am the way. So that we don't have to try to figure it out for ourselves. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So we don't have to guess. We don't have to figure it out. He has revealed the way to us so that we may go by it. And so it would be very easy this morning just to say, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by Him. Accept it. Amen. Right? But, that, but the statement itself is it's much deeper than that. It's much deeper than that. And we, and we really have to reflect on it because in understanding the I Am, we begin to understand all of Scripture which is no small thing, right? And so we're going to look at this, this I am statement this morning and, and try to figure out what are the deeper meanings that, that even the disciples themselves were missing. When we enter into this text, Jesus had just said, you cannot go where I'm going. And the disciples were confused and Peter in his zeal said, I'll follow you even to death. And Jesus' response was, the rooster will not crow until you deny me three times. Now that would be, that would be quite a statement to swallow if you, if you had a, the zeal for Jesus that Peter had. And, and Jesus starts this very next verse. He says, don't be troubled. Now if I would have been Peter, I'd, I'd have been a little troubled at this point. If I was the disciples, I would have been, I would have been troubled. You're, you're going away and we can't go where you're going. What, what is going on? What are you talking about? The Gospel of John does, does just a marvelous job of helping us to understand this passage. Because one, God tells us, don't be troubled. Don't be troubled. You, you are going to mess up and you're going to get some things wrong. But don't be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. Or some text would translate it, you believe in God, therefore believe in me. And, and if we're not careful, we could read through that statement really quick and just say, okay, that, that's simple enough. Just believe in God and believe also in, in Jesus. But, but what is Jesus saying and how would have the disciples have received this word? How would have they have understood it? Okay, yeah, we believe in God, but now what are you asking? Believe in, believe in God, believe also in me. 
I think at the, at the beginning of John, John begins to lay this foundation for the I am statements. Uh, we understand that, that in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Uh, in, in John 1.18, he says, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, He has explained Him. He has revealed Him to us. He says in John 4.24, he says, God is spirit and those who worship Him must worship Him in truth and in spirit. In spirit and in truth. Right? So, so throughout church, church history, we've, we've done much damage to the doctrine of, of the Trinity. Understanding the nature of who God, who God is and how He's revealed Himself to us. There's a, there's a tool that we look at in, in the New Testament, we understand anthrop- anthropomorphisms, right? Uh, God is giving human characteristics to, to God the Father, like the, the verse we just read. Jesus is in the bosom of the Father, right? But the Father is, is the invisible God. He is spirit. He doesn't have a bosom. Or uh, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. Does, does the Father have hands? No. Those are anthropomorphisms. So we, sometimes we could take that hermeneutic and we could begin to think of how God has revealed the Father in the New Testament and then we, we sometimes apply that to the Old Testament and assume that those are anthropomorphisms. But they're, but they're simply not all anthropomorphisms. When you look at passages like God walking in the garden in Genesis with Adam and Eve, it, it it would seem very strange to describe God as walking if he wasn't physically there. His presence wasn't physically there. And so who and how is God revealing himself to Adam and Eve? In the person of Jesus Christ. And that is how God has always revealed himself to us. God the Father has revealed himself to us in God the Son through the power of God the Holy Spirit. But sometimes we can make the false assumption that God only reveals himself in the Son in the incarnation in the New Testament. We look at the Old Testament and we say, well, that reveals to us God the Father. The New Testament, the Gospels reveal to us God in Jesus. And then beyond the Gospels and Acts and the the Epistles, it's it's God the Holy Spirit, right? And there's partial truth in that. But God the Father has always revealed himself to us through God the Son. And I think that gives us a framework to begin to better understand uh, both the Old Testament, how it leans into the New Testament. When Moses is pleading with God, show me your glory, right? And God says, nobody nobody can look on my face and live. And Moses sees not all of God. He doesn't see his face, but he sees a portion of God. Who is he seeing? He's seeing the person of Jesus Christ, the pre-incarnate Christ. When Isaiah sees Jesus, a vision of God in the, in the temple, and his robe fills the temple, and, and the angels are singing, holy, holy, holy. But what are the angels covering? They're covering his face and his feet because they could not look on his glory. So why is that? It's because they had not yet been regenerate. They're they're still sinners in need of a Savior. They're looking forward to the coming of the Messiah. 
so they cannot look on his glory yet. But the Apostle Paul says one day, right, we will see God face to face. Now we, now we know in part, but then we will know in full. And so when we begin to take the revelation revealed to us in the Old Testament, we start looking towards the New Testament, uh, we begin to, to realize the magnitude of this statement, believe in God, believe also in me. It's a powerful statement. And the disciples are not getting it yet. They're just, they're not understanding. What does Philip say? Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, and from now on you know him and have seen him. And Philip's response is, show us the Father, and it will be sufficient for us. And he says, Philip, have I not been with you so long? And yet you don't know me and you haven't seen me? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you know me, you know the Father. And so this is something that the, that the disciples are grappling with. Who does this Jesus, who is he claiming to be? He's claiming to be God Almighty. And in this passage, he's almost claiming to be the Father. But he's the image of the Father. He's God who's become flesh. And so the disciples are, are wrestling with this idea. And, and we have to wrestle with this idea as well because it gives us the, the understanding of that I am statement. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Because it's not just an exclusive claim to salvation. It's God revealing the nature of who he is and the way we obtain salvation. And that's an important, an important distinction for us. Humanity has longed to see God, the, the visio Dei. And we should not be troubled. We should believe in God and believe also in Jesus Christ. So Jesus then gives them further encouragement. And he says, I am going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. There, there are many rooms in the Father's house, and Jesus is going to prepare this place. And I think a lot of times in, in the Christian world and in the world at large, we generally focus on uh, life and death in terms of where do we go when we die? We go either to heaven or we go to hell, right? And, and I think Jesus stages this in a very different way. There are many rooms in the Father's house, and he's going to go prepare the place. But for what reason? Is heaven just an, an escape from pain and suffering and the, and the chaos that we see in the world? And, and we get to go to be in a better place? And all the pictures that we, that we represent heaven as being, this place of perfection and beauty, and uh, you know, some would, would say clouds and harps, but I think it's way deeper than that. Jesus says the point of heaven isn't because you're going to be in this beautiful place. It's because he's going to be there. That's what makes heaven so glorious. The beauty and the awe and the angels, and the, that's going to be wonderful, but all of it is going to pale in comparison to the glory of Jesus Christ whose presence will be there. And he says, I'm coming back for you. I'm going to take you where I am. A lot of times when we, when we preach the gospel, 
Uh, sometimes we, we, we phrase it as, do you want to go to heaven or do you want to go to hell? And many people will say, well, I don't want to go to hell. That sounds pretty bad. I'll take heaven. Great. All you got to do is say this prayer and you get to go to heaven. That, that misses the whole essence of the gospel. Because the choice isn't between heaven and hell. The choice is between believing in God's revelation, believing in the person of Jesus Christ or not. Those who believe get to go to heaven because that's where he's going to be. That's why we proclaim the gospel so passionately. It's not just a, a get out of, of hell free card. It's a get, you get to go be with Jesus forever. That's going to be amazing. It's, it's even beyond our comprehension of what that's going to be like. And, and we long for that day when we get to see Jesus face to face. There's no more veil. We'll get to see his full glory. That's going to be amazing. And so we have to frame the gospel in a correct way so that we don't, we don't miss the depth of what Jesus is saying here. One day we're going to get to go be with Jesus and you know the way. The disciples are like, what do you mean we know the way? We don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And what's Jesus' response? I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And it's, it's such a powerful statement but what Jesus is, what he is not saying here is that I'm creating for you this path in which you must walk. Because that would take, that would put salvation within our own effort. Like if we just follow the right path, we'll, we'll get to go to heaven and be with Jesus. And, and that's not at all what he's saying. And in fact, he's saying if you try to walk the path on your own, you will fail. You will miss the way. I am the way. The way to God is not just a path to walk or a journey to take. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. Thomas Akempis put it this way. He says, I am the way to God. I did not come to light a path, to blaze a trail that you may simply follow in my tracks, pursue my shadow like a prize that's cheaply won. My life reveals the life of God the sum of all he is and does. So how can you, the son of night, look on me and construe my way as just the road for you to run? He also says this. He says, follow me. I am the way and the truth and the life. Without the way, there is no going. Without the truth, there is no knowing. Without the life, there is no living. I am the way which thou must follow, the truth which thou must believe, the life which thou must hope. Jesus is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. And so when we we begin to reflect on this statement, this I am, God is revealing to us how we are restored in relationship with him. It's through believing in him, it's through faith We are saved by God's grace through faith, not by works lest anyone should boast. So he's made the way very simple, right? 
but it's not. He said, the paths that lead to destruction are broad and many go by them. But the way which leads to life is narrow and few find it. Why is God being so exclusive? The way is difficult for one reason. It's because Jesus is the way. And his desire is for us. And so he makes the way very simple, but the way is through belief. The way is through faith in the person of Jesus Christ. And that's the the power of this I am statement, is God's desire, God's love for us. Why would a loving God reject anybody? It's been asked. And the counter to that is why would anybody reject a loving God? who has revealed himself to us in the person of Jesus Christ and who is willing to go to the cross to pay for our sins, that which we could never accomplish. We could never never figure this out fully to do it right. They couldn't in the Old Testament. They couldn't figure it out. They could never fully live without sin. The disciples were attempting to figure out what is this way? How do we walk? How How do we do what you desire? And the answer is always the same. Believe in me. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Put your faith in me because I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And what's amazing about this passage is then Jesus goes on to say when you begin to understand this way, he says, you are going to do greater works than I. Anybody wake up this morning and say, hey, I'm, I'm going to do greater things than Jesus. That's kind of a, an intimidating prospect. But that's God's desire that we would do greater things than him because he is empowering us with his Holy Spirit to accomplish that which we can't accomplish of our own strength, of our own wisdom. But when we trust in him, the way, the truth, and the life, he begins to work in and through us to accomplish that which he desires. And he says, we are going to do greater things. He is leaving, but he's not leaving us alone, is he? He has sent his spirit to indwell us that we might be his representatives everywhere across this planet. And God's mission from the very beginning of Scripture, is to fill the earth with my glory. Multiply. Fill the earth with my glory. And now we have the opportunity, as believers in the way, the truth, and the life, by the indwelling Spirit, to accomplish far beyond anything Jesus did in His day. But it's for His glory. It's by His power And there is no other option. That's what God lays before us. He is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. So what does this mean for, for us this morning? How do, what, do we, what do we do with this? Well, first, we, we have to not be troubled. Sometimes we misunderstand these things. I've talked to Christians many times, and I said, hey, do you believe in God? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I believe in God. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? I believe in Jesus Christ. Who do you believe Jesus is? 
I believe he's the son of God. Do you believe that he is God? Well, no, 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 I don't believe that he is God. I believe that he's the son of God. I believe that, that God maybe created him or God is like, no, 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 you're missing it. Jesus is God revealed in the flesh. The triune God revealed to us through the Son. God the Father revealed through the Son by the power of the Spirit. And so we have to, this morning, come to that understanding that what God has revealed to us in Jesus Christ is Himself, God the Father. And if we know God the Son, we know God the Father and we have seen Him. And one day we will be with Him. But only if we've put our faith in Jesus Christ alone. Only if we've accepted that He is the way, He is the truth, He is the life. There is no plan B. One day we're going to get to go to heaven and we're going to see Him face to face. And what we won't say is, show us the Father. Because when we look upon the Lamb of God, we will see and we will know that the triune God is revealed to us through the Son. He is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of His nature, sustaining all things by His power. And we will not, we will not be disappointed. We also have to tell the world of the truth of Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through Him. We can't do what is popular in today's culture to say maybe there are many ways, who, who knows? We can say, but I do know. And it's not because I figured it out, it's because that's what God has revealed to us in Jesus Christ. And you have to know and understand this because it is the only way to the Father. It's, only, it's the only way to know who God is. It's the only way to be with Him eternally. That's in the beginning what we were created for is a relationship with God. And that's what we are all starving for is a relationship to, to know God, to see God. And in Jesus Christ, we have that opportunity to do both of those things, to know Him and see Him. We see Him and know Him in the person of Jesus Christ. And then we have the assurance that one day, He's not leaving us here. He is coming back and He is going to claim that which is His. Jesus Christ has to be precious to us. We don't seek to understand I am. We seek to know I am. And when we know the great I am, we die to self and we're willing to live to Him. Because He is the way. He has made salvation possible. He is the truth. He has revealed His revelation to us that we may know. And He is life. Our pursuit isn't for a good life. Our pursuit is for the one who is life, Jesus Christ. And when we have that, we have everything else. And that is the beauty and the glory of the gospel. And that is how and why this I am statement is so powerful and so meaningful to all of us. Let us pray. Father God, we come 
into your presence this morning, and our desire is to know Jesus Christ, our Lord, the great I Am, the way, the truth, and the life. We thank you that in knowing Him and seeing Him that we know you, Father. So work by the power of your Spirit to draw anybody in this room who has not understood or known that or surrendered to it. And help us, Lord, to communicate this glorious message to the world who is so in need of it. They are so in need to know the way. They are so in need of truth. They are so in need of life, Lord. May we be carriers of this good news that we may do greater things than even you did for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.